Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 586. Well, if you were standing by the Fort Point Channel, a slightly murky body of water on the edge of the now remarkably clean Boston Harbor, and you saw a person in distress out in that channel, you might jump in and try to save him or her. But what if it wasn't a person? What if it was a herring gull? Would you jump in to try to save it? Well, just this past week, that scenario unfolded, and a woman walking by did indeed undertake a rescue mission as she plunged, fully clothed, into the canal, scooped up the bird in a towel, and brought it safely to dry land. She later drove the bird to a wildlife rehabilitator, where the bird will remain for at least a few weeks until its injured wing heals and it's returned to the wild. Sounds like that's what will happen with this bird. Who is this woman? The Boston Globe found her, but she declined to be interviewed, so her identity remains a mystery. Meanwhile, over on the August Ocean Shore, our friends Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson from the Birding E-Bulletin suggested one of the best things about late summer is that it marks the time when most migratory shorebirds are winging their way south. They can be seen in large numbers and in great variety at this time of year. And if you live within reasonable distance of most any coastal shoreline or large body of water, this can be the perfect time to practice your shorebird ID skills. And Wayne and Paul remind us that shorebirds are wonderful to observe, even if we can't necessarily name every one we see the way they can. We have a bonus prize day today. It's Illinois. You get through to our show from that state on our Mystery Bird Contest today. You'll win a special bonus prize, a signed copy of Mike O'Connor's amazing book, Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? More answers to common and not-so-common questions about birds and birding. That's a terrific book. So if you're in Illinois, get to us on the show this morning. You'll win that special prize automatically in addition to the bird feeder and bird-friendly coffee from Birds and Beans that you might also win on our Mystery Bird Contest. So get ready to call Prairie Staters. Here's an item from our shameless plug department. Yours truly will be attempting to explode some myths about birds, past and present, when I join Scott Simon on National Public Radio's Weekend Edition Saturday, this coming Saturday, August 13th. Check the listings for airtime on your favorite NPR station. That's NPR's Weekend Edition Saturday, August 13th edition. And if you're hearing this after the fact, you can still find the segment at TalkingBirds.com or on NPR's Weekend Edition Saturday website. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Yes, we're hitting the road again as part of our ongoing celebration of the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service this year. We're taking Talking Birds to a number of national parks, including Acadia in Maine. We'll broadcast our show from Acadia on Sunday, August 21st. 
And if you're anywhere near beautiful Acadia National Park on that date, please do come by and say hello. We'll have full details on the precise location of our broadcast on next week's show and on our Facebook page. Still to come on our show today, do you love crows? Do you hate crows? Wondering why the crow you're seeing doesn't really sound like a crow. Well, we'll find out more about these very smart birds with a very smart guy. Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, will join us live from his perch by the Potomac in Washington, D.C. Also this morning, our man Mike O'Connor will try to answer a listener's questions about bees invading her hummingbird feeder. And in just a moment, we'll meet the spectacular, dagger-wielding Ardea Herodias, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, We care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. As if she knew this great blue heron Lifts off, leaving her shore Where today's featured feathered friend is seen in North America, and that would include, depending on the season, every U.S. state, all Canadian provinces, and all of Mexico, it probably makes people sit up and take notice as much as any other bird. When this bird takes flight, many folks feel as though they've been transported back to the late Jurassic period when dinosaurs ruled the land and pterosaurs flapped through the skies. The bird is Ardea herodias, better known as the Great Blue Heron. The Great Blue Heron is big, nearly four feet long with a wingspan of about six feet and a knife-edged, death-dealing, dagger-like bill. It's not a finicky eater. It'll feast on fish, frogs, shellfish, snakes, turtles, insects, rodents, and small birds, too. That may be one of the reasons why great blue heron populations are stable or increasing. It has bounced back nicely from the days when, along with other heron and egret relatives, it was hunted nearly to extinction for its plumage in the early 20th century. Not all great blue herons are blue or gray-blue. There's a white form that's pretty common down in South Florida and in the Keys, looking a lot like a great egret, but bigger and sturdier looking. Lifting off leaving her shores. It's Ardea Herodias, the great blue heron. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. As if she knew this great blue heron lives off, leaving her shore. Thanks again for being with us here on our show number 586. We do hope you'll visit our sparkling new website and that's Talking Birds Dot com and uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. And by the way, if you visit our uh, website, please look for the place there where it says you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we'd like to send it to you. It has some pretty good info and some amazing pictures and links and stuff like that, all there at TalkinBirds.com. 
Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani, providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com. That's C-H-I-M-A-N-I.com to download your free app today. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Talking Birds proudly presents a man who, despite his many accomplishments, never crows about them. A man we always find ourselves raving about here. A man who, if he were a bird, would surely be part of the highly intelligent Corvid family. But he is not a bird. He is indeed the birdist, a.k.a. the Prince of the Potomac from Washington, D.C. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick Lund. Hey, good hey, good morning. Good morning, Nick. I- I do crow about my accomplishments to anyone who'll listen. I, I think that I think you're mistaken on that. Okay, let me make an adjustment on that for the print <laughs> yeah, edition. Please edit. Please oh, edit. That. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Nick, as I was kind of indicating a while ago, there's kind of a, a love-hate relationship about crows out there. I happen to be on the love side, and I'm going to guess that you are too. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I think once once you get into it, it's hard not to love them. Um, they can be uh, mischievous. And they can be, I don't know, maybe loud and annoying, I suppose. Uh, but they're so smart and uh, they're so fun to watch that, you know, you give it a little time and everyone will fall in love, I think. Yeah, you get over that kind of uh, idea that they're, the way they kind of strut around there, they have a little bit of a, a, a <laughs> I don't know, a bullying look. But, uh, right, they're proud. They're they proud are birds. proud, exactly, that's it. Well, yeah. when people talk about crows, they probably think of the American crow, sometimes uh, called the common crow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, there's more than one kind of crow out there, as you point out in your latest uh, rule on uh, Audubon.org. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but there's, there's uh, here in the Northeast, at least, we, we seem to be seeing, this is kind of anecdotal, but we seem to be seeing and hearing more and more of another kind of crow. You know the crow I'm talking about. I do know the one you're talking about. I mean, I think a lot of people are surprised that there are more than there are more than one species of crow yeah. uh, in the United States. But yeah, up, us in the Northeast and folks down in the Southeast, uh, we're acquainted with fish crows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. When I lived up in Maine, uh, which is a couple of years ago now, um, fish crows were very rare. There was only one spot. It was actually a, a Burger King parking lot uh, down in Scarborough. <laughs> Uh, where you can find them reliably in the summer. But now uh, they're becoming more common. Actually, another dumpster parking lot, this at a Wendy's in Salmouth, is when was the closest uh, closest ones to me. Wow, there's a, seems to, there seems to be a common thread here. <laughs> I think sort. there is. They, they like fast food. What about Mickey D's? How are they? Are they not... not, uh, not you know, enough? I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. they're, uh, they, they don't like chicken nuggets as much as chicken tenders <laughs> from Burger King. Okay, this uh, demands some research, obviously. Yeah, so, Nick. You in your article, you point out the you know the fact that for most of us, at least, uh, we can't really tell which crow we're looking at unless maybe they're all together at once. You could see the change difference in size and and such. But if you're just seeing one crow by itself, yeah. it's pretty hard to tell. Yeah, you know that's that's I think what adds to the confusion about there being multiple species. I mean, they are very similar looking. Um, the fish crow, the American crow, and the northwestern crow. Uh, up in the, the Pacific Northwest, you, you know, they uh, there are subtle differences. Um, American crows are generally a little bit bigger than fish crows, but I tell you, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to tell when they're flying overhead unless one is one is calling, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, 
they, they really look the same. And, mm-hmm. and just like in size, they don't really vary in habitat that much either. Uh, fish crows, you know, as their name implies, um, are generally found a little bit closer to water. Um, but like I said, you know, uh, fast food parking lots were, were the place that I saw them. So, you know, habitat isn't, you know, completely reliable either. Yeah, and, and there's always that size overlap, right? Sure, right. There's, a, you know, male-female size differences, and then just, um, you know, at least for me, the size, it, the the difference isn't that great um, to be able to pick it off yeah. anyway. So I would I would advise people just to put that out of your mind and focus on the voice. All right. Well, here's the voice of uh, a crow. I think most people are pretty familiar with this. This is the American crow. Raise your hand if you've never heard that. Classic. No classic. hands up. Yeah. The American crow, the classic caw, caw that, sound. That call brings me right back to, like, an abandoned farm field in November in New England. <laughs> is that just me? Is that just me? I mean, uh, yeah, you've been looking at too many of those Van Gogh paintings. I think. Maybe <laughs> yeah, that's maybe it. that's it. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, though. But here's the, here's the other crow we're, we're uh, speaking of here that has a, a very different sound. I'll, I'll let you describe how, how you hear this sound, but we're, here, here it is. Sure. <laughs> Very different, Nick. Very different. Nasal. It's kind of a very a, nasal uh-oh. call. I, I describe it as sounding like like Fran Drescher from the nanny um, <laughs> when it's calling over. And yeah. it also, you know, it sounds like a kid, uh, you know, being offered food from a baby being offered food from her mom and saying, uh uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, I don't want it. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, it's the fish crow, by the way, in case we didn't say fish that. Crow. It's the fish crow. Too bad we don't have a recording of Fran Drescher's laugh. That would be a, a good one. She's it's best like known. That. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> She's best known for what? The nanny, I guess, right? Yes, on, that's on right, TV. from the nanny. Okay, yeah. so here's another one. This is one, uh, well, very similar to the American crow in a different region. But it does sound different, doesn't it? It does sound different. This is a northwestern crow we're hearing. And, you know, range is another uh, big help here. Northwestern crows are really only found um, from about the, you know, Seattle area, Olympic Peninsula and Washington, up along, right along the British Columbia coast and into sort of southern coastal Alaska. Um, They sound very similar. They look very similar, such that a lot of scientists are wondering whether they are, in fact, a separate species or not. Hmm. so, you know, the advice there is that, uh, you know, if you're in one of the areas where Northwestern crows are known to be, um, listen up and take good, take good notes. Yeah. Um, they also overlap with American crows and, and may, you know, hybridize in areas of, of, of overlap. So, you know, just west of, or just east, rather, of Seattle and mm-hmm. things like that. So if, you, and so if you're a lister, you want to get it on your list now before, before that changes. Yeah, so go to Anchorage. For a while, anyway. <laughs> if you want to list them. All right. I think most people will recognize this. We don't call this a crow, but certainly in the family. Ah, the, the dulcet tones of the northern raven. <laughs> yeah, and that's just a little sample. You could, uh, you, you can. The sounds that this bird makes are pretty incredible. It could, this could go on for three or four minutes with different. Yeah, variations. they really could. Um, you know, there are lots of uh, blackbirds around for folks to confuse with crows. I mean, there's the, the 
the Ravens, the Chihuahuan Ravens. Uh, there are, you know, big grackles sometimes mm. can, can look like crows. So it really helps to learn these the, the vocal ranges of these birds um, if you want to get a good ID. All right. Well, you can find out about more of this in uh, Nick's uh, remarkable article here, and this is on Audubon.org, and uh, you look for the birdist's rules of birding. This is rule uh, number 65. Uh, how right. to tell the difference between crows. Subtitle. Uh, wait, there's <laughs> there's more than one kind? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've clarified that uh, nicely. Now we know there is... Uh, now we know. One crowd. And uh, and by the way, thanks for uh, not, not uh, confusing us more with Hawaiian crow and Tamilaupas crow. Yeah, Tamilaupas crow. Only used to be down in Brownsville at the at this uh, dump that was down there, and they closed that down, so now it's much harder to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's best not to worry about those guys. Uh, the Hawaiian <laughs> crow is extremely endangered. I hope it comes back. Um, but uh, you're not going to see them on the mainland America, that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks for letting us know about that. And Nick, uh, Nick tell us about what you have uh, planned. I think you're working on something new for Audubon.org. Sure. I mean, I've got uh, Birdis Rules of Birding coming out about every Wednesday. Uh, one's coming up, in, including uh, some articles on tattoos that we have, um, how to put up with non-birders, um, how to deal <laughs> with people questioning your sightings, and then uh, how not to be a jerk. <laughs> That's a lot to accomplish there. I don't know. but we'll... I know, but it's All important right. to know. All right. Nick, thanks for being with us. Keep up the good work. You got it, Ray. Take care. Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist. Check his uh, birding lists out and his rules. Uh, rules for birding there at Audubon.org. Up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Well, there's an exciting development around here, and it concerns something we talked about last week, the Galapagos Islands. I'll be heading there next September with my friends from Sunrise Birding, one of the world's finest small group touring companies, and I'm inviting Talking Birds listeners to join me. I'll be your host for this trip to one of the most amazing destinations on the planet. We'll get up close to giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and see hundreds of spectacular bird species. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. We'll be led by expert local guides and we'll cruise in comfort aboard a custom-designed first-class yacht. Please join me for this trip of a lifetime. And don't wait because reservation space is extremely limited. For full details, look for the Galapagos Birding and Wildlife Cruise at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. When you see the itinerary, you will be impressed, I promise. Please check it out right now at sunrisebirding.com. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at Birds. Dot cornell.edu that's birds.cornell.edu as we mentioned uh, near the top of the show we have a bonus prize state today it's illinois if you get through to our show from that state here at our mystery bird contest you'll win a special bonus prize a signed copy of mike o'connor's amazing book why do bluebirds hate me more answers to common and not so common questions about birds and birding so if you're in Illinois and you get to us on the Mystery Bird Contest, you'll win that special prize in addition to the other prizes you could win. So good luck, Prairie Staters. You're eligible if you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds in the past six months. And one other tip, 
If you're not hearing our show live, you can do so live online anytime. And you can also search for Talking Birds in iTunes or Google Play. All right, on to the Mystery Bird Contest proper. Uh, 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Call us as early in the process as you can. Here's our Mystery Bird. By the way, our prize is the Droll Yankees Ruby Sipper Hanging Hummingbird Feeder. It's Droll Yankees' newest hanging hummingbird feeder, and its five-ounce capacity makes it ideal for establishing multiple feeding zones for territorial hummingbirds, because we know how territorial and combative they can be. We have a bonus prize, too, and that's our 12-ounce bag of birds and beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee. It's the kind we drink here. We hope you will drink it, too. And here's a chance to win a beautiful 12-ounce bag of that coffee. If you can identify our mystery bird singing sweetly again there. Some clues. Our mystery bird is a marsh-dwelling, fish-stalking bird with a long, slender neck and bill, a dark back and neck and a white belly. Our bird is found mostly in the southeastern United States, and if you have an old field guide, you'll see it carrying the name of one of those states. Hint, it ain't Florida. What's our mystery bird? Tell us or take your guess, because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. Give us a call at 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. And we're talking about Mike O'Connor, and we're going to talk to him and find out how to cape bees out of our feeders. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Dear Talking Birds listeners, the fact that you're listening to our show probably means you're interested in helping birds survive. Well, there are fewer birds every year, especially the ones that spend the winter in the tropics and dazzle us in spring and summer. There are ways to stop and maybe reverse this decline, and one of them is as simple as drinking coffee. Not just any coffee, of course. I'm talking about Birds and Beans coffee. Birds and Beans is the only company on the planet that sells only bird-friendly, shade-grown coffee. Certified by the highly respected Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center and certified organic and fair trade so the small farmers who grow the coffee get a fair return for their work. All you and I have to do is buy some. It costs a little more than the sun-grown stuff down at the supermarket, but it helps birds survive. And it's delicious. Please buy some. Find out where to get it or order it directly at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. Play the music, please, for Mr. Mike O'Connor. And hopefully Mike will be there, too, to go along with the music. Good morning, Mike. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. All right. <laughs> Hey, Mike, uh, a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was, um, you answered a question about getting ants uh, out of your hummingbird feeder. You, you provided uh, the answer for that. Well, maybe you want to give it a quick recap. But um, one of our Facebook uh, followers said, okay, that's how to get the ants out. But what about bees? I've got bees going <laughs> yeah. after my You know, I, I've been avoiding this question for a couple of weeks. <laughs> the, the ants are easy. An ant yeah. guard shuts the ants down 100%. Actually, I can help people to do just about anything with a feeder. Keep all chipmunks, red squirrels, gray squirrels, raccoons, uh, crows. I know uh, you guys talked about crows earlier. Some people complain. I can help you with that. Bees are more challenging, and I've yet to find the, the perfect solution. Hmm. 
and um, I know what you can't do. Obviously, you can't spray. Some people suggest you put oil around the feeder. I don't recommend that. If the birds get the get on that on them, they're in mm-hmm. trouble. Also, yeah. um, they make feeders with bee guards. Those are somewhat helpful. The trouble is that when the hummingbird uses the feeder, it, it inadvertently always puts a little sweetness on the on the bee guard itself. So the bees oh. are always going to be around, and I haven't found a way of stopping them. I've got a customer, and, and the, the other problem is people come up with their homemade remedies, and they may be okay, and they may be a problem. So, and I don't, I hate passing them on, but I'll mm. do it anyway. This lady yeah. has um, peppermint oil, mint oil around the feeder. Mm. Peppermint oil? Yeah. yeah. But I haven't used it. I don't have any bee problems. Ah. So, so I can't even test this stuff. Um, but I, what I, after reading endlessly about it, it seems like the best thing to do is get a flat feeder like that uh, Drill Yankee feeder you're giving away. Yeah. Uh, that's a flat feeder. It's like a saucer with a cover on it. The bees can't get to the, the liquid, um, so most of the time they'll avoid it. But if there's a little bit of sweetness on there, they'll... they'll come around if bees are a big problem on your feeder um most experts suggest that you basically let them have it like you sacrifice mm-hmm. that feeder okay. and then put a, a, a new feeder a, a little distance away the bees will keep returning to the the feeder they're successful with and then put a more bee proof feeder a little distance away and the hummingbirds will find it over there but it's mm-hmm. kind of like sacrificing but i wish i had a better answer for it, but so far we're coming up with nothing <laughs> oh there's something there and peppermint oil too and you can enjoy watching those bees. Yeah, nothing, bees are awesome. Nothing wrong with that. And it's the ant bell, right, for the ants? Yeah, the that'll shut them down. Ant bells are great. And, and you know what? On your mystery bird contest, if somebody from Illinois calls in and they want my book, tell them I'll deliver it personally, providing they come to Orleans. Got it. All right. <laughs> Got it. Talk to you next week, Mike. <laughs> okay. We'll see you. We're back here at the uh, mystery bird contest trying to identify this bird. And our prize is one of those Droll Yankees feeders. It's the new Ruby Sipper Hanging Hummingbird Feeder. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. A marsh-dwelling fish-stalking bird with a long, slender neck and bill, a dark back and neck, and a white belly. Our bird is found mostly in the southeastern United States. And if you have an old field guide, you'll see it carrying the name of one of those states. Not Florida, though, in case you thought it might be that. 781 837 Four nine hundred is the number, and Pat is in our own our own hometown here, Marshfield, Massachusetts. Good morning, Pat. Hello, Pat. So near and yet uh, so far, and just kind of gone. I guess we lost Pat. All right, we have Charlie in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Good morning, Charlie. Hey, Ray. How are you today? Well, thanks. How are you doing, Charlie? Great. Have a beautiful day. It's a gorgeous day here. Just beautiful. oh yeah, so nice. What do you think, Charlie? Mystery bird. Hi. I'm going to guess the Virginia Rail. Virginia Rail. Another yeah. top quality guess there, Charlie. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah, get the buzzer. <laughs> get your own buzzer there. All right, Charlie. Thanks, Ray. I <laughs> always enjoyed your show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Charlie. You. Have a great day. You yeah. too. Okay. Well, uh, Virginia Rail, I think he said. Not the bird we were looking for. A bigger bird than this with that really long, slender neck. Kind of an elegant-looking uh, bird. Ben is in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Good morning, Ben. Yes, would that be a blue pelican? A blue pelican. Ben, you've invented another bird. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> not everybody can do that, but not a blue pelican. But if you see one of those, please let us know, and we'll give you uh, all of our prizes at once. Thank you, Ben. 
781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900 to win that beautiful Droll Yankees hummingbird feeder and the bag of birds and beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee. We're still in Massachusetts in Alston, and Jeff is over there. What's up, Jeff? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Mystery bird? Uh, A-M-E-R-I-C. Can't talk today. It is a bittern. A bittern. Oh, I see what you're saying. A bittern. An American bittern. That's kind of some characteristics in common, but in fact, it's kind of a relative, but not the bird we're looking for. Okay, try next week. All right, thank you, Jeff. 781-837-4900 is the number. We're very close to running out of time, but uh, we'll see if we can get your call through to us if you care to make it at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. If we don't get a correct answer, we will uh, we will kind of flip the cards here and um, choose a winner from among those uh, who have given us some uh, top-quality, nearly-correct guesses. You want to squeeze your guess in, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. We are out of time altogether, aren't we? We don't have time for another call. Uh, who's our winner, Jesse? Can you pick a winner there? Jesse's going to grab a winner. It is Ben in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Congratulations, Ben. Give us a call back, and we'll arrange things. That's our show for this morning, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. And by Chimani, visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.